Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to God's house for our worship service this morning. I am Pastor Rick Cron. I'm a campus pastor, one of the theology teachers at Manitowoc Lutheran High School. I, I thank you for the privilege of being here and worshiping with you this morning. Today in our service, we focus on love on the love that our Savior Jesus shows to us and then that love that we get to reflect to those around us. We pray that God would bless our worship of him this morning. We begin with our opening hymn.
Please rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because we are sons and daughters of the Lord, we are called by him to repent of our sins. Let us go before our God and ask for his forgiveness. For what we have done and left undone, we fall on your countless mercies. For sins that are known and those unknown, we call on your name so holy. For envy and pride, for closing our eyes, for scorning our very neighbor. In thought, word, and deed, we failed you, our King. How deeply we need a Savior. Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy. The Apostle John declares, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. For hearts that are cold, for seizing control, for scorning our very In thought, word, and deed, we failed you, our King. How deeply we need a Savior. Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. In Jesus you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And there 
be with you. Let us pray. God of all power and might, you are the giver of all that is good. Help us love you with all our heart. Strengthen us in true faith. Provide us with all we need and keep us safe in your care. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone, and especially to you, Casey. Dear members of St. Paul's, Casey has been baptized and instructed now in the teachings of God's Word and desires to become a member of this congregation. Our Lord Jesus Christ promises to confess before his Father in heaven and those who faithfully confess him here on earth. You've come before this Christian congregation to declare your unity of faith and to unite with us in Christian love and fellowship. Therefore, lift up your hearts to the God of all grace and joyfully answer these questions. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If so, answer, I do. Do you believe that the teaching of the Evangelical Lutheran Church, as you've learned to know it from the Catechism in our information class, is faithful and true to the Word of God? If so, answer, I do. Do you intend to continue steadfast in the true Christian faith, to be diligent in the use of God's Word and sacraments, and to lead a godly life even to death? If you do, please answer, I do, and I ask God to help me. Will you support with your prayers, time, talents, and offerings the work our Lord has given to this congregation? If so, answer, I will, and I ask God to help me. Having heard your promises, we, the members of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, receive you in fellowship and love and invite you to share in our worship and mission in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Congratulations and welcome to our congregational... Oh. I told her she would not have to say anything, so I'm going to. Um, I, I think the first or second time I met you, which was six to eight months ago, and we probably crossed paths before, but you kind of told me, hands off, just checking out our congregation, right? I said, okay. And she did. She did her legitimate work, which was to investigate our teachings here, and I started the last information class, and she was not there for the first class, and I started the second class. I mean, she never signed up. I started the second one, and fashionably three minutes late, she pops into the classroom, sits down, and I was just flabbergasted. And it was wonderful to have her in class, great learner, and, and loves the Lord, and uh, loves the Lutheran faith as well, the, the teachings that we have. And it's just great to have you, and can't uh, thank God enough to have you here. So Lord's blessings to you and family.
Our first scripture lesson for this morning is taken from the Old Testament book of Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malan and Kilian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our psalm for today is Psalm 25. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. 
second lesson from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. 
a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave, him, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Please be seated for our next hymn, hymn 731. How good it is when the family of God dwells together in spirit, in faith and unity, where the bonds of peace, of acceptance and love are the
my brothers and sisters in Christ. Wisconsin's governor is one of the, and I promise this isn't going to be political, Wisconsin's governor is one of the most powerful governors in the country. In at least this one way, the line item veto. See, when the, when the president doesn't like a bill that Congress has passed, he can veto it, of course, but, but he's got to veto the whole thing. Some governors have the line item veto, where, where if they like most of the bill, but not some parts of it, they can, they can veto some provisions of the bill, but then approve the bill. Well, Wisconsin's governor has a power that goes even beyond that because his line item veto, he can cross out individual words. For example, in 1975, Wisconsin's governor crossed out the word not and then signed a bill. Basically, at least that one line, the exact opposite of what the legislature had approved, but he has the authority to do that. A lot of people think they have or wish they had line item veto power over the Bible. You know, there's a lot there that's important. There's a lot there that's powerful. There's a lot there that's comforting. There's also a lot there that's a little difficult. Maybe even a few things that are uncomfortable. Some things that God teaches us, some things that God tells us to do that are, that are just difficult to swallow or difficult to follow through on. And so the temptation becomes to take the line item veto to it. You don't like something that God says? Well, you know, that part really isn't for us. That was for a different people at a different time, so we can just cross that out. Find one of God's commands difficult to keep? Well, you know, that part isn't really God's word. That was just written by men, and so we can just kind of cross that out. All these ways that people have of, of justifying crossing out parts of God's word that they've got a problem with. In today's gospel, Jesus met a man who didn't really realize it, but was trying to do that very thing. We're told the man was an expert in the law and that he had come to test Jesus. So he wasn't looking to learn anything from Jesus. He was trying to trick him. He was trying to find a way to, to use something against Jesus. But that doesn't mean that what he asked was a bad question. Actually, his question was a really good one that gets to the heart of the law and what its purpose is. And this man was an expert, and yet he had it all wrong. He asked Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus does what any good teacher will do, and he tries to lead this man to discover the answer to his own question. Notice where the focus of his question was. What must I do? This guy thought that he could do it himself. He thought that, that if Jesus just gave him the right rules to follow, that he could follow those rules, and then he could get eternal life for himself. He just needed to know what he had to do. 
So Jesus showed him. He asked the expert in the law what the law said, and this time the expert showed his expertise and he gave a perfect one-sentence summary of the entire law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus told him that he was right. Gave a perfect, beautiful answer. If he did that, if he always loved the Lord his God with all of his heart and all of his soul and all of his mind and all of his strength, and if he always loved his neighbor as himself, he would inherit eternal life. If he did that, he would live. Of course, there's a problem with that, right? And this guy immediately saw the problem. That's tough to do. That's a pretty tall order. That's a standard, that's a bar that is way up here. He knew there was no way that he could get over that bar to do this himself. And so he had one more question for Jesus. And who is my neighbor? Well, you see what he was trying to do there, right? He was trying to bring out his red pen and use his line item veto. Because Jesus said he had to love his neighbor as himself. Well, who is my neighbor? Because if my neighbor includes this broad range of people, well, that's going to be tough. But if I can cross out a whole bunch of people that are tough to love, and if I can narrow that so that it's just a few people, people that I like, people that like me, if that's who my neighbor is, well, then I've lowered that bar low enough that I think I can get over it. And I think I can do it myself. He was hoping that Jesus would, would narrow his definition. If I have to love my neighbor, okay, Jesus, who is that? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus responds with a story that, that so many of us know so well, the story of the Good Samaritan. A man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was a well-known road. It was known to be a pretty dangerous road, so it would come as no surprise to find out that this man who was traveling got mugged, that people beat him up, stole his stuff, left him for dead. But it wasn't exactly a deserted road, so maybe somebody would come along and help him, and that's exactly what happened. And the best person possible came along, a priest. Somebody whose life was dedicated to serving God in the temple. Of course, this man would help him. He would be the one person that we would expect would help him. But no, the priest sees the man and can't be bothered, so he goes to the other side of the road and just goes right on past. A little while later, a Levite, again, a worker in the temple, somebody that, that we expect would stop to help this man. He too goes to the other side, tries to stay as far away from him as possible. And then a third man comes, a Samaritan. And if the first two men had reasons to help this guy, well, this one had even more reasons to ignore him. Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. 
This Samaritan was looking at somebody that most likely wouldn't lift a finger to help him if their situations were reversed, so why should he stop to help? He had no reason to. And yet, he did. He gave him some first aid, brought him to a place to stay, stayed there the night with him, which probably isn't what he was planning on doing. He was planning on traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem or Jerusalem to Jericho. But he stayed the night there with him. In the morning, he left the innkeeper two denarii. That's two days' wages. So that's what? A few hundred dollars that he left for any other expenses that this innkeeper might have. And he promised that if it was more than that, he would come back and reimburse him for anything that he needed to nurse this man back to health. So what was Jesus' point? Well, remember why he told the story. The question that this expert in the law asked and why he asked it. He wanted to take his red pen to the law and cross out the parts that were hard for him to keep, narrow his focus enough so that he could lower the bar to where he could get over it. He asked who is my neighbor? And he was hoping that it would be such a small group of people that he would manage, be, be, manage to be able to love those people and therefore earn eternal life. Jesus' answer was much broader than that. Our neighbor, Jesus says, includes everybody. Even a stranger on the street, even somebody that we might consider to be an enemy, even somebody that might hate us. Boy, that sets the bar pretty high, right? If that's my neighbor, and if that's who I'm supposed to love, everybody, all the time, wow, that's a tough standard. I can't do that. That's exactly Jesus' point. We can't do that. So often this story of the Good Samaritan is used as an example. Look at what the Good Samaritan did. Now you go do that. You go love your neighbor. Amen. That's not why Jesus told this story. Jesus didn't tell this story so that we could go be like that good Samaritan. He told us this story because we haven't. He told this story because we can't. If we're going to try to earn eternal life by keeping God's law, we just can't do it. The law isn't there to show us what we need to do to earn God's favor and live. It's there to expose in us what we haven't done and the condition that that leaves us in. On our own, we are helpless, hopeless, dead. which looks a lot like that man in this story, right? 
I don't know that this really is a parable per se, but it's pretty easy to see ourselves in that man that had been beaten and left for dead at the side of the road, only we did it to ourselves with our sin, but we were as good as dead. And if we can see ourselves in that man, well, then it becomes pretty easy to see Jesus in the Samaritan. He saw that the desperate state that we were in. And he had absolutely no reason to help us. We were by nature his enemies, had done nothing but mistreat him, didn't deserve anything from him. He had every reason to just let us die. And yet, he had compassion on us. And he gave much more than just a couple of days' pay, he gave his life. He laid down his life, taking the death that you and I deserved, that we had coming to us, so that we never would have to. In exchange for taking that death, he gives us his life, his perfect, sinless, spotless life, that we get to claim as our own and then get the reward for. We have an answer to the question that the expert in the law asked. And it's not at all what he was expecting. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What do you have to do in order to get to heaven? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you have to do. Because Jesus already did it all. There's nothing left for us to do. Because Jesus did it. He just gives us eternal life. How can you not respond to that? Love like that so free, so undeserved, so complete, how can you not respond to that? And that's now where we can look to the Good Samaritan and to Jesus as an example. If, like this expert in the law, if we love in order to get something in return, that's not love, that's a business transaction. True love doesn't look to earn something. True love responds. True love responds to the love that we have been shown by our Savior and loves him and everyone that we come into contact with, not in order to earn something in return, but because we've already been given everything, free for nothing. It's our response of thanksgiving. And out of that thanksgiving, true love responds to a neighbor's need. Doing whatever we can to help those around us, anyone we come into contact with. That's the love that we have been shown by our Savior. Respond to that love with a love of your own. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise.
And now the peace of God which passes all understanding, that peace will keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join to confess our faith using this morning the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Lord of the Church, this world offers a love that steers us away from you and leaves us abandoned and abused. The world appears so appealing, but in the end it leads to death. Fix our eyes on you and your love for us, love that is so generous to give up heaven and to come here and help us by a cross, Love that heals and gives life with God to our soul again and preserves us in it. Love that takes care of our every bodily need. Lord Jesus, we praise you for all your mercy and now look to you to shape our hearts the same. Lead us to recognize our neighbor and cross the road to help him, whatever his need. We ask your blessing on our new members, Casey Winter, Scott Reineking, Courtney Hess, and Justin Keeker. Let their faith flourish here, their hope increase as they anticipate heaven and their love is nourished and on full display for you and for neighbor. In your saving name we pray, and we also join to pray as you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. 
Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give Him thanks and praise. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who promised that wherever two or three come together in His name, there He is with them to shepherd his flock until he comes again in glory. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.